The following is a replay of a live show that aired Wednesday, January 31st at 5 o'clock p.m. The opinions expressed do not reflect the opinions of the University of Wisconsin-Madison or its Board of Regents. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to another edition of After Further Review on WSWM 91.7 FM, Madison. I'm Vincent Hesburgh, here as always, joined with my great friend, Alex Schuster. Alex, how you been today, buddy? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, getting into the swing of the new semester, new core schedule, uh, new classes, uh, just trying to get in that new rhythm, as well as our new show time as well. So, uh, positive things, but uh, a little change here. Well, I'm really excited for this upcoming show because I think that you came up with every single idea we have for every single topic. So this is going to be your, uh, your your child, I guess. But we got to introduce our guest here, Pete Selwood, joining us. And Pete, you know, you host a, a 10 o'clock show on Sundays, music show on Free Flow. I'm going to give you the responsibility of saying what it's called because I love the name so much. Oh, th- thank you very much, Vince. Yeah, so my show is Pete's Beats, very oh, creatively named. Mwah. Isn't that isn't that awesome? It's an awesome name. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yes, that is 10 a.m. on Sundays on WSUM's Free Flow. Good stuff. So as always, start with rate my take. The two of us bring our takes ahead of time and uh, give them to each other to receive judgment. Alex, you spun the spare. It looks like you are going first here. Yes, I am. My first time. I was a little disappointed going down 0-2 against you on the spinner. but uh, Oh, we're making that a competition now? It, everything's a competition, of course. <laughs> uh, but for my rate my take, I just want to uh, take a little trip down memory lane uh, and maybe take a little victory lap in the process. Uh, So from the start of the year, Brock Purdy was looked down upon uh, despite having some of the best stats in the league, finishing the year with the best quarterback ranking, top three in touchdowns, top five in yards and completion percentage. Uh, Really just uh, a a fantastic year from him, statistics-wise. All the numbers were there, but he still didn't really get the love uh, from a lot of people. And uh, I came on the show and uh, was laughed off a few months ago for saying that, you know, I, I think Brock Purdy actually is pretty good. You know, he has all these really great numbers, number one in almost every relevant passing category, but uh, still was laughed away uh, for saying that I, I think he's better than Tua. Both quarterbacks in very similar positions, uh, coaches from the same uh, coaching tr- family tree, whatever you want to call it, uh, similar constructions of the team with a really strong defense strong offensive line really relying on their skill position players for the success of the offense uh supposedly but now as we look towards the end of the season the 49ers and the dolphins are in very different uh situations the dolphins playing their last game uh about three weeks ago losing to the chiefs in a playoff game and now the 49ers have an opportunity uh to do it to it, and Brock Purdy has an opportunity to do it to a couldn't and, and take down the Chiefs uh, in the Super Bowl of all places as well. So uh, I just want to go back and, and maybe we can start by saying, Vince, I think you gave me what was it like a, a four or a six or some somewhere in that range. Okay, there's a my big original, differential between four and six. I, don't, I, I, sh- I meant to look back and see what it was. I don't remember what it was. I know it was not a very good grade, uh, and I was laughed at for, uh, for, for saying that I, I like Brock Purdy better than Tua. And uh, I, I just want to know how you feel about that now. What are you, some sort of super villain here? Yes, like, I You am. all look down upon me. This is your origin story. Uh, still, I, I got to give you credit where it's due. You could say that the 49ers have all sorts of talented pieces, but so do the Dolphins. I mean, their running game's no joke. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell are really great, and their offensive line's not bad either. Tron Armstead is an elite left tackle. And, yeah, you said it. The 
The 49ers have gotten the job done, and if the Dolphins are known for anything, it's not getting the job done against good teams. So um, I, I was wrong on this one. I feel like Brock Purdy has solidified himself ahead of, of Tua. Not that I think the gap is massive, but it is there nonetheless. So, Alex? Well, I, I think the gap's a little bit bigger than you do. Because, uh, I mean, if we look at them, especially in the playoffs, I mean, that's when it really matters. You can look at regular season, Brock Purdy, 80% winning percentage. I mean, almost unheard of. Oh, you're of. using the win percentage just, But then also, if we we look in the playoffs, just a, a fantastic quarterback, nine, 98.2 uh, quarterback rating with 1,000 yards, five touchdowns, and one interceptions, going four and five in those playoff games, uh, whereas... I believe Tua is 0-1 and, and has one passing touchdown. And, I mean, it's only one game, so the yards and all that aren't as relevant. But, uh, I mean, some guys are just born winners. And I, I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Brock Purdy's one of those guys. And I, I, I want to first have you regrade that original take, and then also we, we can look at it again now of going back. How would you grade your grade oh, of the my <laughs> of my take? Sure. Uh, okay. I don't think the gap's as big as you think, and I think that you're get, using passer rating to determine performance and four playoff wins. I, I don't, you're First, I, you're kind of glancing over like three or four dropped interceptions between the Packers and Lions. <laughs> like the one interception looks great on paper, but he looked pretty rough. Oh, I'm yeah. with you, I, Pete. I mean, there there were uh, some opportunities, some some miscues, especially in the first half of both of those games. But uh, when it really came down to it, uh, I mean, the legs, which I think was the point that you most laughed about, was I said that he can scramble. The numbers don't show that he can, but he can take off when it, when he, they need to, and that's exactly what happened uh, against. Uh, the Lions in that NFC Championship game. He he scrambled, uh, I believe, four times for 48 yards, a couple knees at the end, taking it down a little bit. But uh, <laughs> also on the move, throwing three for four, for uh, combined with those scrambles, six uh, total first downs on the move here. So I, I think it's fair to say Brock Purdy is a mobile quarterback. And the, <laughs> and, the, oh, and that man. Vince was a little hard on me for his grade. And I, I just, I just want to make him uh, offer maybe the, the slightest apology. Uh, Pete, you want to take this one first? <laughs> I need some time to you know, meditate a little bit. Uh, yeah. We want to scale of 1 to 10, just so you know. Okay. So what... Where, am, oh, am the I official just... take is that Vince was wrong a couple, oh, <laughs> couple of months ago. I gotcha. And uh, that uh, I was very right. And we're, we're grading. So I said that Brock Purdy is a, a better quarterback than Tua. Vince gave that. We'll, we'll go for a six. It, it, saying that a little generous because I think it was lower than that, but it was. Uh, so it, let's say Vince graded that a six out of ten. What, what do, would you grade Vince's grade? Mm, Pete, I, I remember who invited you on the show. Here, <laughs> See, I, I really like Vince's take here. I want to oh, give that like you. a nine. Oh no! <laughs> that backfired. <laughs> never listen to Pete's beats on ten o'clock on Sundays. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got to give you credit, though, Alex. You were right on this one, and I was wrong. So on me being wrong, um, I'll give you an 8. But on the other one, look, we watched that Packers 49ers games. Jordan Love looked better than Brock Purdy. And Purdy was, I mean, without Debo Samuel, he was just like, he was airmail and stuff. He looked like me trying to play Madden on the hardest difficulty. Um, but that being said, a win's a win, and he's solidified himself as Baron Tua. So 
I got to give you credit for that one. Is it okay if I go ahead then? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, not that I haven't had a blast talking <laughs> about this one. All right, so there's a major ongoing controversy in the NBA, and here's what happened. Uh, 76ers star Joel Embiid missed a matchup against the Denver Nuggets with an injury. Fans believed Embiid was faking an injury, and the backlash was ruthless. Uh, fans were basically taking turns slam dunking on Embiid, pun intended, but also media members were also coming in giving their takes. Uh, the actual broadcast even chimed in. Richard Jefferson said that he'll never doubt a player's injury, but... He said there's a pattern that's emerging. Um, and then Embiid kind of felt this pressure a lot. Uh, he was really getting hammered really badly. This is something that he's been kind of criticized for before and, and quote-unquote ducking such a big matchup got him into a ton of trouble with fans, media, broadcast. On top of that, uh, there's a new rule. You have to play 65 games to be eligible for awards. And this led to Joel Embiid, a hobbled Joel Embiid, hobbling his way through a matchup against the Warriors on the road and he wound up hurting himself pretty bad. It looks like that. We don't know for sure. It was an MRI. He was in excruciating pain. And I'll leave it up to athletic reporter Sam Amrick. He said, you could see it long before he was hurt against the Warriors. And Bede, who missed Philadelphia's game at Portland on Monday night, looked like a player who pushed himself to play against Golden State because the whole basketball world was screaming in his ear. There are people within the Sixers who are convinced that, plead, that he played only because of all this scrutiny. So here's what happened. And Bede got bullied in the playing game. He wasn't ready for and the fans totally deserve the blame for this one or at least that's what the 76ers want you to think so here are just some facts not opinions just straight up facts the Nuggets 76ers matchup was a nationally televised heavily promoted matchup that's a fact Embiid has not played in Denver since 2019 going into the Warriors matchup where he got hurt Embiid has missed seven of his 10 road games against teams with a winning record Deion Sanders was brought in to talk to the 76ers before the year and implored them to not quote duck that smoke saying quote if Embiid is playing the Joker Nikola Jokic uh, on Denver I want to see Embiid versus the Joker I want to see that and the biggest piece of evidence is that Embiid wasn't even added to the 76ers injury report until 15 minutes before the Denver game started. So you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes if you're a fan to kind of put the pieces together and say, look, I think that Joel Embiid ducked this matchup. He didn't want to play Jokic on the road. And it looks like that the fans didn't have all the information on this one, especially since he got hurt and looked terrible against the Warriors, settling for mid-rangers the whole time. And after that Nuggets game, uh, ESPN's Tim Bontep said, after going through a typical pregame workout ahead of the game, the team's medical personnel didn't like how the NBA's reigning MVP was moving around and chose to shut him down for the game. Embiid was sporting a large wrap on his knee in the locker room before Saturday's game. They updated him 15 minutes before the game starts, and yet they see him in the locker room before the game wearing a massive wrap on his knee. I think that's basically, I don't want to say it's medical malpractice. It's certainly malpractice in reporting an injury. This is where I start to pivot and blame the 76ers for this one instead because they unleashed this firestorm by waiting until the last second. I'm not sure if it was deception or they were trying to just be lazy with their reporting, but they, they let Embiid into this fire trap. And then I go back to the quote before, them saying that they decided in Denver to not clear him to play. They didn't like how he was moving around. So it's the trainers who decide if he doesn't play. But then I go back to him saying that the 76ers saying, oh, the fans forced Embiid to play. Is it not the medical staff that chooses if Embiid plays or not? On top of that, Embiid, before he got hurt, played 30 minutes in the Warriors game, and there were four minutes still left. So the 76ers misreport a guy's injury, have him play a ton of minutes anyways, and then have the, have the audacity to blame the fans for supposedly bullying those guys. So this is where I kind of go back to 
a quote, you know, who is more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? And yes, I had I looked up before if that was said by Mark Twain, Gandhi, or Jesus. It turns out it was said by Obi-Wan Kenobi. But the point still stands that the 76ers fell into the trap of the NBA media circus, and they enabled their player to get swept up in it. So 76ers say shame on the fans for bullying their player. I say shame on the 76ers for provoking the league and its fans with important player information. Shame on the 76ers for enabling their star player to get swept up in the ensuing conflict. And finally, shame on the 76ers for deflecting their own embarrassing, irresponsible, pompous mistakes on the fans that they impacted. Love the adjectives there. That made me Thank really Thank you happy. so much. I, I, I completely agree with this. I understand, like, the fans' pressure. I mean, I think a lot of it was from Denver fans, if anyone. It's not like... Embiid should really be listening to what Denver fans have to say about him. Like, yeah. oh, you you haven't shown up since 2018 or whatever. Like, yeah, like of course they're gonna make fun of you for that. I, you got to be a little more tough skinned to to do that. And I I think throughout his entire career, how much hate has Joel Embiid gotten for missing games and everything? Like, we, he's experienced this all before. I don't know why it would change his decision making and like when to come back and what games he plays in and all that sort of thing now compared to in the past like why didn't that pressure and all that noise like make him come back and play sooner when he shouldn't have in the past why is it just in this one instance and I feel like it's just a circumstantial thing like NBA I mean it's not as rough as maybe like football or rugby or hockey or something where like there's brutal injuries and like a a full-on like contact sport like that Mm -hmm. but it also like there are injuries that happen frequently within the game, and you can't predict whether that's going to happen. There is medical science and stuff that you can use to help eliminate that, which, again, falls back on the medical staff for not doing their best to either put them on a minutes restriction, still hold them out of the game, or do a number of other things to help this situation not lead to the outcome that it what ended up happening so i agree that this is on um, the sixers and their medical staff you can't just put it on fans especially when it's pro- it, more than likely not even the fans of your own organization being the ones that are really getting on them like i feel like philly fans are pretty loyal they're gonna be the type of oh, fans yeah. that they're are gonna stand up for time. Embiid. they're gonna say sit out all the games you want i don't care we're all we're looking for is the playoffs now like that is should be Embiid and Philly's mindset. Like, he already got his MVP last year. You don't need to keep doing these regular season stat padding and going for, like, random records and all that sort of stuff now. You, now it's time to focus on staying healthy and trying to go on, like, a full title run. Yeah, uh, I was. I took a peek at NBA Reddit, which I, I, look, I view NBA Reddit the same way that people view zoo animals. Um, but I've just seen threads of people saying, look what you guys did. You bullied Embiid, and now he's going to miss the rest of the season. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's like that. the problem's on Embiid if he's really going on NBA subreddit to try and get motivation to play actual NBA games. But Pete, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think definitely on the Sixers, you can't be – a million or billion dollar organization and be bullied by a couple lowly Americans <laughs> watching television for a couple hours every night. That that can't be the reason Embiid's getting hurt. The the Sixers got to be on top of that. Yeah, I mean, my favorite, like, the easiest solution to cyberbullying cyber is just to close your phone, close the laptop, just turn it off. I mean, if he really has that big of an issue of people tweeting at him and making all these comments, just turn your phone off. You don't need to look at 
all these other comments and have just some random person who has no idea what's actually going on with your medical history tell you, oh, you need to play in this game right now. Yeah, LeBron turns off his social media uh, during the playoffs. I know Paul George famously did that after playing terribly in the bubble. So, yeah, look, the fans are not smart. And I, I don't think I worded this take super well. And I'm not saying the fans are smart because they're definitely not. I should know I'm one of the not smart fans. But you cannot... I don't want to say sink to their level. You cannot get caught up in the noise if you're an actual NBA team who actually knows how a player is feeling. And now it's like it's getting confusing because the, the narrative in the past has been always oh, like we need you to play like no matter what like we're paying all this money for tickets like big televised games like we want the best product in the regular season possible. So they're all pushing for it, and you kind of have to understand like there is an injury risk with that but still it's for the overall product and everything like we're just going to hope that for the best overall circumstances and then as soon as it goes wrong are people suddenly just going to flip again and and be like all right let's get rid of all these game restrictions for nba awards and all these different things that are, are supposed to be encouraging a better overall product yeah uh you guys have any grades for me here oh yeah i forgot about that i'll give you a solid eight on, okay on this one. i'll take it yeah, I think I'd, I'd have to concur with the eight there. Awesome. Great. Appreciate it. Um, I, I had to, like, stop myself without getting – because I, this makes me so mad, the 76ers. Because the number one rule in politics, don't blame the voters. I'd say number one rule in sports is management is don't blame the fans. So in the words of my favorite commentator, uh, the color guy from the Dodgeball movie, bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off for him. Looks like it hasn't so far. <laughs> Pete, you're up. All right. So my take definitely is long-winded and thought out with statistics and everything as your guys is so get ready for this um i'd like to argue that our generation's tom brady is playing in this year's super bowl and it is not patrick mahomes oh shoot i more off of an eye test and surrounding cast i think brock purdy resembles very fluidly tom brady he is not a pure athletic specimen like patrick mahomes is Tom Brady and Brock Brady are both surrounded by incredible offenses. Tom Brady didn't quite have the offensive-minded coach that Purdy has, but Purdy's system that he's in right now, Kyle Shanahan, incredible offensive-minded coach. He's got the stinking Avengers squad for position players playing next to him on offense. And then Mahomes still made a Super Bowl despite having receiver problems all year. I mean, that's that's my take. That's what he does. Well... Alex, you want to take this one? I mean, I, I, can you go past a 10? We've never given a perfect. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is not me endorsing Tom Brady. No, I, so I like it, though. Like, it, like this narrative started last year up until he. the only playoff game he's lost is the one where his arm basically fell apart and he couldn't finish the game. So until he plays an entire playoff game and loses, I mean, he's unstoppable in my book. I, I'm all the way in on Brock Purdy. I think he, like... He's just so overlooked, and the number of people that like are willing to discredit him just because everyone else is around him is great. It gets on my nerves. Like he still has to do everything that you need a quarter. Like someone still has to connect the ball between the quarterback and the receiver. Like they have to set up things at the line of scrimmage, which like I don't understand football well enough to like know everything that he does. But there's enough 
guys on his team and guys that have played football in the the past that notice that he is like he might be a, a game management a game manager but that's kind of exactly what Tom Brady was yep. was a game manager he he was elite at game Whoa. management the time that you need a game manager is like the last two minutes of a game the fourth quarter these times and that's when Tom Brady would take over manage the game and manage to pull out a win every time and that's what Brock Purdy appears to do I'd like to apologize to our viewers for the following comments by Alex Schuster. How can you say in the same breath that Brock Purdy is a game manager and he is Tom Brady? Like, there's a difference between managing the game and coming back from a 28 to three deficit in the Super Bowl. How about a 17 point deficit oh, in the NFC on. Championship the Lions game? Sell- <laughs> oh, yeah. Where were you when Brock Purdy came back against the Lions? I, look, I, Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, great to have you, but. If all it takes to compare you to Tom Brady is taking a stacked roster to an NFC championship game and then a Super Bowl against opponents that you are heavily favored to beat, then I'd say that there are quite a bit of Tom Brady's out there. This is what made Tom Brady's story so exciting is that they weren't a massive favorite team. No one was saying that Bill Belichick's carrying Tom Brady in 1998 or 1999 when he had his first Super Bowl. They were road underdogs at the games that they played and they were able to get wins either way. I Oh my! So you're saying okay? You're saying he's on the trajectory, or he is? I'm coming more at this from like fans' perspectives. They're getting really mad at the Chiefs for winning over and over again, yep. and they're calling this Chiefs the new Patriots. But I don't think you can compare Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady as quarterbacks. I think Patrick Mahomes is a much more talented quarterback. They play very differently. I think Brock Purdy resembles Tom Brady more than Patrick Mahomes does. If we look at the trajectory, too, I think, I mean, the team around him is going to age out pretty quickly. Like, there are a lot of older guys on the 49ers roster here. They, they do have some younger skill position players, but a lot of the big names are guys that we've had around for a while. So it's going to be hard to keep that unit together. So they are going to have to kind of rebuild and grab some of those no-name guys and everyone in the future. So that's really going to be the test. But then also, like, the way the Patriots dominated their division, let them get into the playoffs every year quite easily and I kind of think that a or uh, NFC uh, West division might kind of turn into that same sort of deal where the Seahawks are losing their top coach Cardinals have talented players but can't ever really figure it out and then uh, Rams getting old yeah yeah, I look. You can make a case that the 49ers have a chance. They, they, if you squint enough, you can see a little bit of Patriots in them. But saying that Brock Purdy is Tom Brady, that I, I, I it's like I can't even use words to properly express my disdain for that opinion. <laughs> uh, see, that's what we love. Uh, that's what th- this segment's about. You're it's right. about the hot takes, right. getting I, something off your chest. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give you a three, but <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> I'm expecting a higher one from over here. Oh, yeah. I, I, solid nine on this one. <laughs> I got to go above Vince. Uh, I mean, I, I respect your take. Uh, the Embiid situation uh, was its own deal. But I, I respect the courage and the bravery to stand with me against Vince, uh, the the Brock Purdy hater over there. Oh, man. Oh, don't worry. I'm a Brock Purdy hater. <laughs> you just said Tom Brady. <laughs> I didn't say I like Tom Brady either. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh, we'll take logic. it to, what do we call it, Alex? Uh, Badgers sports update? I don't know. We'll come with a better name next week. But we'll start off with the basketball team. Wisconsin basketball had another successful week with the men's team earning a blowout home win against Michigan State. The win, combined with numerous losses from 
other top teams launch Wisconsin to the sixth-ranked team in the nation. Wisconsin has a chance to prove it belongs with the best with a road trip tomorrow at 15-6 Nebraska and a home battle Sunday at number 2-ranked Purdue. The women's team got back above 500 with a home win against Big Ten cellar-dweller Rutgers. Wisconsin led 20-3 after the first quarter, but Rutgers cut the deficit to 4 late in the fourth before Wisconsin pulled away to secure a 73-62 win. The 10-9 the and nine Badgers have a battle at 8-ranked Ohio State tomorrow. A uh, pretty wild game. Uh, I had the Priv- I, I don't want to call it a privilege because it, it was a really you, no. You were there with me, Alex. How oh, did yeah. I forget? Yeah. What would you say about that game? Because oh, leading I mean, seventeen to three to start the first quarter, and then it was really dicey at the end. I mean, it. I'm you trying, felt comfortable. I'm, yeah, I'm trying hard not to be disrespectful uh, to the Rutgers team because they did play uh, well. They 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 played their hearts out the yeah. entire game, but at the same time, I, you could tell there was uh, quite the talent disparity and. Uh, the Badgers should have been able to handle that game uh, from start to finish, but they, they kind of had some dips throughout the game. And, um, I mean, the the key player in this game here, putting up, what was it, 31-15 or 31-12? Yeah, just yeah. Sarah Williams, yeah, nuts. Dominant game from her. And I... I, I think she was the reason that the Badgers were like were oh, able yeah. to start and finish the game the way they did uh, without her on the floor. It, it definitely would not have uh, looked that way. Yeah, she was plus 22, most by six over her teammate Ronnie Porter. But just for reference, Rutgers is six and seventeen on the season, zero and ten in conference. In fact, it was close. Uh, it was not good, but still won by double digits. We'll jump to men's hockey. Men's hockey team became the first team to reach twenty wins after beating Michigan six to five in overtime on Saturday. The Badgers did lose game one, leading to them dropping from number three to number four in the polls. They'll play Minnesota this weekend at the Kohl Center. Meanwhile, the women's team swept number seventh ranked Minnesota Duluth, what became a series of the year candidate. Wisconsin narrowly took game one in a two to one defensive slugfest, but game. Game two flipped the script with the Badgers scoring four goals in the final 13 minutes to turn a 4-1 deficit into a 5-4 victory. Wisconsin heads home to play St. Cloud State this weekend. That game will be on Big Ten Plus. I mentioned that for no reason in particular. And um, I want to give a quick shout-out to Minnesota Duluth coach Mara Kroll because immediately, immediately after the game, immediately, uh, they, talked to, they did a live interview with her from the broadcast. Remember, her team lost... They were leading 4-1 with 13 minutes to play and wound up losing. A game-winning goal came with a minute 30 left in the game. And she was so chill because I could tell she was upset, but she was just like so Minnesota kind of like, oh, brother, it just got away from us there at the end. You know, we were the better team for the first two periods, but just couldn't pull it out. And I was just like, you have my respect. Good for you. So who decides to bring someone on like that after the game like is, well, I'm sure she agreed to it yeah, before, before the season. The game. Okay. But yeah, she could have ducked it if yeah. she wanted to. But she she stood in there, and I, I give her credit for it. And with that, uh, I guess probably take it to break. Yeah, and, I think yeah, this show's been flying by. Uh, don't go anywhere, though. We'll be talk, going over our laundry list, doing some NBA pyramid rankings, uh, going over Packer grades, and then a brand new idea that I'm going to keep secret because I just love it so much. See you in just a bit. Hey, Jay, what are you doing? I'm going to walk. But Jay, the light is red. What if there's a car? You know I don't believe in cars. I'm going to walk. Jay, please. I'm doing it. (gasps) He really put the L in walk. 
Let's not be like our ex-friend Jay. It's well known that Wisconsin ranks 46 in the country for jaywalking-related accidents. And with your participation, we could be 47th. Here are some tips to help you obey pedestrian traffic laws. Often find yourself restless at a red light? Carry around a fidget toy or a snack. Look left and right, then left again. Repeat as necessary. Hold hands while crossing the street. If still inclined to break the law, ask a friend to restrain you. Remember, you can't walk if you're hit by a car. Wise words from a wise man. You're listening to After Further Review on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. I'm Vince Hesbrook with Alex Schuster, guest host Pete Selwood. And we'll jump right into Laundry List, where not everything can be made into a segment. Got some little stuff you want to talk about. And Alex, I'm seeing a, uh, a lack of tops. You got well, anything have, you want to quick throw in there? Thing, I, th- I think we have to throw it out there just because I was assuming someone else would bring it up at some point. But uh, the way the Lions melted down in that playoff game, mm. my, my first take of this uh, school year... Uh, back in the fall was that the Bears are still the Bears and I think you can also say the Bears or the Lions are still the Lions uh, after that one I mean they're trending in the right direction but that was just an all-time collapse and I feel like part of it has to be attributed to the fact that they're just a sports team from Detroit and that's just what happens to sports teams from Detroit Could you go as far to say the NFC North is still the NFC North? <laughs> I feel like every team there hasn't changed the way they do a thing in the regular season or playoffs in a decade. Well, yeah, and especially after this last season, we thought there was going to be like some big change up. All these teams are going to be completely different. Oh, can the Lions and the Vikings competing for the top now? Whose division is it going to be uh, in the future here? And then, uh, I mean, the Lions, they did go on a great run there. It was Cinderella, absolute uh, fantastic run them against the world and then they make it win two playoff games I think is respectable I was happy for them through those two games but then once I got to the NFC championship game I said it has to end here we can't let them have actual <laughs> made real success <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> you, you called in your buddy did the the buffalo or the pepsi like crack open the can doing your Get the sprinkler on. It's, it's yes, time. yeah, that's what yeah. I was referring to. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you can't mock the forty or the the Lions for choking a fourth quarter lead to the 49ers because the Packers have patented that strategy. But um, they did look very lion esque though in that third yeah. and fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, the first half, the way they did it too, especially with uh, CJ Gardner Johnson on the sideline oh waving gosh. everyone goodbye. It was in the just, second quarter. Yeah. The, can't do that that soon or ever. How about? <laughs> I think you can. I mean, it, it's just a bad look, and you got to win the game and then have a great performance the next week because otherwise people are going to be rubbing it in your face. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, is it okay if I jump to Yeah, go my, ahead. Yeah, so I have a list of uh, what I call the I'll believe it when I see it teams. Uh, and it's basically I don't care what changes you made. If you still have this core, I'm just not going to pick you to win a championship. MLB, I've got Yankees and the Brewers were just added. Ouch. Uh, hate to say it. Yeah, I love the Brewers. NBA, I recently added the 76ers. Um, I just think that Joel Embiid's injury history, it's just unfortunate, but I just don't believe they're going to do anything with him at the helm in the Philadelphia. Uh, I could definitely be wrong. NFL, though, added the Cowboys, and I had decided I'm going to add the Ravens to that list. Stat I found NFL postseasons where QB led team to fewest points scored. It's like when your offense puts up its worst performance in the playoffs. Instances where this has happened, uh, John Elway is second in percentage uh, in nine postseason trips. He had, in three of those, his offense scored the least points they have all season. Uh, first, Lamar Jackson, 
four postseasons, it's happened all four times that the least amount of points his offense has scored came in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not blaming Lamar for this one. I think he's just kind of like the face of the offense, but the Ravens totally lost their identity. They couldn't move the ball whatsoever, played terribly situationally, penalties were atrocious, and it all kind of collapsed. And I think that when you see this happen four times now, that's where I'm officially, like, um, I apologize, but I just I cannot. Maybe the Ravens will win a championship, and I'll be wrong, but I will not be the one who picks them to do it. Last week we did, or and this was my idea, of how much blame do you put on Josh Allen for that Bills loss against the Chiefs? And I think, what did we say, like 40%, 45%? I mean, you're the quarterback, the ball's in your hand the majority of the game. It, it still falls on you to put your team in winning situations the majority of the game. I mean, their defense, I feel like, also let them up a lot in that game. The Ravens, the rest of the team played fantastically. Lamar just kind of had a dud. Well, the defense did kind of collapse, especially at the end, like unnecessary roughness penalties aplenty. I mean, it was a pretty low-scoring game. If if they just put up any of the numbers that they have the rest of the regular season or anywhere near that, they win that game pretty handily. I I feel like this one is like an over 50%, maybe even over 60%. you got to go to Lamar. It wasn't like the Lions game where there was just disastrous coaching decisions and terrible luck plays left and right. I feel like it was like a lot just on the offense and Lamar especially just couldn't get things done. All right, I'll defend Dan Campbell for his decision making that game. But I, I get it, uh, Pete. If, you, if you're a, I know you're a big football guy. If you're a Ravens fan and someone says, "Hey, Chiefs are going to score 17 points against you in the championship game," you'd have to probably take that, right? I, I would definitely take that. I'd say, "Oh, great, we'll see you in the Super Bowl." Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't put up your lowest point scoring in a game in the entire season in the championship game like that just can't happen what was the stat they put up like nine designed run plays the entire game yeah you know, the was, best running offense the best it. running quarterback in the league and you say no you're gonna throw the ball the whole game you can't you can't really blame lamar for having to throw the ball the whole game that's a completely different offense than they've run all season yeah i'm with you on that one uh peter you have any laundry list items for us it's okay if not Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your honesty very much. We'll jump into uh, Contender Pyramid. Alex and I have developed uh, an NBA All-Star break coming up. So we made a pyramid of what teams we think rank where. Basically, you know, first team at the top, two teams, second level, three, so on. And that leaves us with, you know, once you get seven, you can't fit a perfect eight in there. That's at, I mean, one plus two, so on to seven. That's 28. You got two at the bottom to make a 30. And Alex, we have, we should probably start with those two bottom teams here. I put uh, the Spurs and the Pistons. Oh, you're trolling me here. A little bit, but, I mean, it was my (laughs) prediction from the beginning of the season that the Spurs would finish as a bottom three team in the NBA. Wemby doesn't matter. They're still bad at basketball. And, I mean, they're still bad at basketball this year. It's not really leading to much winning here. Uh, They have kind of turned it around. They've put up some decent tape, but I still think they are one of the worst teams in the NBA. Wow. I mean, the Pistons, unarguable. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. assuming you weren't giving that reaction for the Pistons. Yeah. Wait, you, I thought the Pistons were top of my period. What are you talking about? Um, look, I, I was really ready to really defend the Spurs. I think they've been playing a lot better as of late. They had a, look, I'm not going to call it a win streak, but they did beat the Blazers and the Timberwolves, so two in a row is not bad for their season. But, yeah, they actually just lost to the Wizards by five points. Um, I just think they're getting so much better. I can't put them at the bottom, but you make a fair point. I got the Pistons, but I'm going with Charlotte. Uh, it's funny how neither of us put the Wizards at the bottom of this one. I think it's they just have weirdly talented players that I think can score like twenty plus points. Charlotte, you mean? Or uh, or, or the wiz- I'm sorry, Wizards. Wizards my bad. Yes, now, uh, Charlotte kind of again. They they were if you, we had three teams at the bottom, they would be that third team for me. The the 
last one barely holding on uh, to the, the bottom of this pyramid for uh, for me. But I, I do think the Spurs are worse, and part of that is just kind of going right. with my, my yeah, previous I appreciate biases. You, you know, it's the Troll Me show, and I appreciate you for staying consistent <laughs> with it. Yeah, the Charlotte, I, they're more talented than some of these teams, but they're just such an organizational mess. It came from Terry Rozier saying that uh, like losing is the expectation in Charlotte, even though he's in the midst of a seven-game losing streak in Miami. But um, it's just seeing the players get excited or kind of like laughing and messing around as soon as their coach got ejected from a game the other night. The fact that Miles Bridges is on – this team or any team is a, honestly a disgrace to the sport. So I had to put them a little bit below despite their uh, shortcomings. Peter, you have a thought on the, the bottom, the, the cellar dwellers of the league? Uh, the Pistons are bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got that. It. No, but yeah, I think it, it's fair, only as fair to Wisconsin sports to keep the Wizards out of the bottom two because former Badger Johnny yep, Davis, Johnny Davis. You, you, can't, you can't dish on him too much. We're biased. I'd probably put the Wizards three from the okay. bottom, though. Yeah, you want to rattle off our second level? I have them as often hard to watch. I named each of the categories. Uh, I, I went with Chicago, Memphis, San Antonio, the Nets, Toronto, Portland, and Washington. Who'd you have? Uh, I had the exact same in a slightly different order. Great. I Except, mean, well, with yeah. the exception of San Antonio. But Flipped, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, next one, I have Evan, any given night where, you know, sometimes, like, just because you see when they're scheduled doesn't mean you're like, oh, thank God we're playing these guys. We get a break. Uh, I went with Golden State, New Orleans, Orlando, Houston, Atlanta, and Utah. So I had the Pacers, oh. the Magic, the Pelicans, the Hawks, the Rockets, and the Bulls. Okay. Oh, where's Utah? Are they in the... Oh, I had them in that seventh. Okay. Sorry. All I, right. So the only flip we have is uh, you have Golden State up one. I do. And I have the Pacers. You know, I can respect that. Uh, then I have would need major move to win a championship this year. I went with Knicks, Dallas, Sacramento, Indiana, and Miami. I have the Lakers, the Warriors, the Knicks, the Kings, and the Cavs in that one. Ooh. All right. So you've got Dallas ahead of. I do. I, I I just think having Luke on your team, it, especially it, it's a star-driven league, I, I, I think he the way he's been playing, the the groove he's in. They just got to get hot, and they can make a run here. Yeah, that's fair. As long as the Mavs get to play the Suns in the playoffs, I mean, they're safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luca going to go, uh, well, I, I can't make the jokes, but I know we all, we like to refer to the relationship between Luka Doncic and Devin Booker as more of a, uh, a parental figure relationship. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm cheering for that playoff series. You're totally right, Pete. Next category here. I have would need some help, uh, maybe need some help in the playoffs. With our team get another team getting injured, some role player gets white hot. But I've got Philadelphia, Phoenix, Lakers, and Cleveland in that spot. So I put uh, OKC, the Suns, the Heat, and the Mavericks in this spot. Ooh, also so I, some the, differential I, here. The Heat, I I think I might have been a little generous with them uh, the way they've been trending. I mean, they just added uh, Terry Rozier, and I think they can get hot in the playoffs i mean jimmy butler i'm i'm afraid of him so i i'm yeah. i i don't know where to put him i feel like the regular season they're just a deceiving team and they're a team you got to wait until the playoffs to find out the suns i i might have also been a little generous with them as well but the star <laughs> power on the team i feel like you, you kind of have to put them towards the top even yeah. though at this point i would not be remotely confident in picking them to win the championship have you said the lakers yet Oh, I had them he down had them below. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. I yeah. was about to say. You were about I to remember. No, 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 I was, no, I was no, very no. worried you had them higher than this. I think they're, well, the Lakers are just old. I think they're good, but I'm worried that they're, like, holding up over 16 playoff games. Like, I, I don't think they'll be able to get all those wins. No, I mean, playoff LeBron will be something to watch, but I don't think they're going to do anything of significance. All right. 
Fair enough. I respect it. Jump to the three-team category. I just have them as contenders. I went with OKC, uh, the Clippers, and Minnesota. Also, that's pretty crazy you had the OKC at the Yeah, low, so I, low. I flipped them with the 76ers. I I know you don't believe in them. I I think they're more experienced than OKC, and when you have... I mean, Joel Embiid, not necessarily a proven winner in the playoffs, but nobody on OKC really is either. So yeah. I, I gave the nod to the 76ers for the experience. Yeah, I respect it. We've seen teams get white hot in the regular season and then just get dunked on figuratively and literally in the playoffs. Uh, finally, two. Cont- we, I wonder if we have the top three here. Who are your two teams in the legit contender category? I have Nuggets yep. and then Bucks. So in do that I. order. Yep. And yep. we each, despite what does that say about our season, that we have each put the Boston Celtics as the favorite to win the championship. I don't know who else you could say. I, yep. The way so the season's flaws. been trending, that especially at home, and if they're going to win the East, they're going to have home playoffs the entire run. I, I think it's going to be quite the challenge to beat that team in a best-of-seven series. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not ruling out the Bucks because I'm a homer, but I totally agree with you. Pete, any thoughts on this one? No, I thought there would be more Denver Nuggets at the top, and I was ready to fight you guys and say, no, the Celtics are number one, but apparently I don't have to do that, so that's good to see. I Maybe I'm a bit of a cynic for this, but I'd, I'd probably switch the Bucks down in the tier of three <laughs> with either Minnesota or OKC. I know, I'm a Bucks fan, wow. but I don't know. Second Anytime best. I watch their games, like I... It doesn't just it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel like it's clicking. And I'm worried we're getting to the playoffs and we're gonna come up with the Celtics. We're gonna get nuked. Or a hot random team and we're just gonna get dunked on like four one, four two. And I, I don't have faith we can win a chip. See that's my feeling with the Timberwolves and OKC is I feel like they're gonna be like the kind of the Grizzlies against uh, the Warriors and that or Lakers. Like, yeah, and those series where like they're just too inexperienced to hold up over a full playoff series. Yeah, that's fair. I I'm just banking on one of those teams getting very hot. They've got some electric young players, and I think they have a decent shot to make a run at it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if either one of those teams is in the Western Conference Finals. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, real quick, to put a bow on it, I defended the Doc Rivers hiring, but giving him four years is, wow. I could not believe it when I, I saw it. I think he must have said, you either give me four years or I'm not coming back. It must have been it. Yeah. So now, look, we do have Jimmy Haslam, who is... I despise him. He's our owner. He notoriously made the Deshaun Watson deal, but he does have uh, big pockets, and so I think if Doc doesn't do the job, he would be okay to add a fourth coach to our payroll. But yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not feeling good, and I hate how correct Pete might be there. And with that, I'll take it real quick. We do some Packer grades. We hand out some awards, but the season's getting on, and we want to talk about the Packers one more time. So we got grades for offense, defense overall, and then uh, players of need. As I realized, I, I spelt need. Oh, never mind. I, okay, I had a complete brain fart. I thought needs are with a K for a second. I don't know. Like dough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good analogy. Uh, we'll start off with the offense. Alex, what grade do you give them for the season? I give them an A. I, I think it okay. was a a slight step up from the year before, which I probably would have given him an A minus in that year. So, I, I think you just got to to move up from there. All right, I'm, I went with A minus. Uh, I thought last year's offense was pretty. I mean, it wasn't great, but you know they got some wins on the stretch despite Aaron Rodgers having a rough go at it. So, but yeah, a lot of excitement. I'm, I'm with him, Pete. What do you got for us? No, I'm, I'm gonna have to go with A as well. I think we, the offense really found itself in the last couple of weeks. We. Firing on all cylinders, the Packers were. Yes, sir. A great balance between run game and pass game. That we, there was definitely an identity there. 
Yeah. yeah. Jump. If, oh, sorry. If you had to grade the first half of the season for this offense, where oh, would gosh. you put them? The Bears one was great, but I have to go with like D plus. That's what I was thinking as well. It was literally just from like week ten on that they bumped their way all the way up to an A. But that's exactly how the season went. Yeah. So. Why do you go from D plus to an A? Shows how insane the season yeah. was. Uh, but jumping over the defense, I'm probably not as high marks. I'm almost C plus. I wouldn't be minus here. A little oh, generous for them. Yeah, yeah I, they were good down the stretch. That though. was the other part. Again, it was just the way they ended the season was so strong that it, I mean, it helped us win a playoff game, gave us a chance in another one, and just not really up to the the standard we would expect going into the year. I'd probably have to go with the C down the stretch. I can't lie; it, the defense was clicking a little bit. They were they were helping us win games that we really needed to win, but I can't put them up any higher because. They lost us a lot of games. I yeah. think they lost us more games than our offense won us games. Yeah, I know Baker Mayfield had a great year, but the fact that he put up a, a perfect passer rating in Lambeau Field. And that, what was it, Monday night game against the Giants? Yep, Tommy was, DeVito. Yeah, Tommy oh, DeVito. We let up two straight NFC Offensive Player of the Weeks. Yep. And yep. the Panthers' highest scoring game of the year. Like, yeah, they did, I think those were the last points they scored the season. I it could was, be wrong. They were. Oh, there you go. No, they so, put up 30 against us. I, uh, that, I, I still like Joe Barry as a guy, but yeah, it's oh, yeah. not um, as our defensive coordinator. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, jump to overall. Uh, I have two grades here, given the context of everything, like you know, starting three and six, going on that big run, developing the young players. I went with A, uh, and look, each player if it would have been another plus added, so role being A plus plus plus. But uh, overall, if I had to compare it to any other team, I'd say give us a B plus. I think that's fair. Yeah. So uh, c- context A. Giving if relative, each team starts an even playing field, going B plus. Relative to the league, I would agree with the B plus. I gave us an A, be like just from the entire year. My expectation, and I think my expectation was a little bit high going into the year. What I I said we should be just like all the way to the end of the year in playoff contention. Mm-hmm. Maybe we make it, maybe we don't, but it, it should come down to the last week of the year, uh, home game, see what happens, and. I, we ended up winning a, a playoff game, had a really, really good shot to win another one. And, I mean, w- what can you say from there? I, I think that's just such a success of the year, especially after the way those first few games were had to happen. You were hoping we could somehow end up with the first overall pick. Yeah, I was cheering for us to tank. <laughs> yeah. So just what a turnaround. I, I think that has to be an A. I, I think overall the team season, you got to give them – an A, a borderline A+. plus. I mean, you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback and you go out and make the playoffs and win a game in your first season with the youngest roster in the entire league. I mean, you can't say that's not an excellent season. You can only go up from there. And if going up is the divisional round, I mean, that's a pretty good spot to work from. I am hesitant, though. We just had so many rookies having explosive years. Like, I worry that we found a lot of their ceilings already. I'm worried how much room we actually have for growth. I'm excited because we could like go crazy, but I worry that we found some ceilings. Wow! I think we might have found ceilings with some of the older receivers, but the the rookies, I, I feel like there like is still a lot of room for those guys to grow. Yeah. I see you're saying though about Christian Watson, maybe having trouble with some injuries, but but is there a, someone in particular you're a little hesitant on? No, just a bad feeling. Just, well, just a hunch. You're, you're clearly a Packer fan. Then. Yeah, yep. Uh, we'll jump into our final one, positions of need. I got three here. Uh, first, I went in order of importance. I went defensive tackle first. You can make an argument for any of my three, but Devondre White just was like a miss, unfortunately. Could say he's going to develop. He's already 25 years old. I just, unfortunately, I just don't see it. Yeah, I. any 
defensive I think pass rusher and then like anyone on that D-line is going to be important for us just like right now our offense has a lot of promise for, for the future like ideally so focusing on that defensive end is or that just defensive side of the ball is uh, important for me and then the only offensive position I had was offensive tackle I think that's going to be a pretty important one to fill in um, I mean, maybe you could go running back, depending on who you want to have behind Aaron Jones there. But I think the most important is probably offensive tackle, for at least in my book. Yeah, you're going off the implication that Bakhtiari won't be playing yeah. anymore. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I'm still holding out hope, but I totally understand. I want, I want defensive tackle, running back, and then corner. I expect uh, Keyshawn Nixon to be back, but... Uh, even that, I think we still need a solid third guy because I, unfortunately, I think Eric Stokes has some rough injuries. It's pretty much really good as a rookie. Uh, Pete, want to put a bow on this one? Any final thoughts? Yeah, sure. Is is it too silly to just say our player of need is a D coordinator? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all, Pete. And we'll jump into our. You know what, Alex? This is such a great idea on your part. So I'll have you introduce this one. All right. So this is we're gonna make a, a bingo card from draft cliches. So there's a lot of things that can be said about players that have been used a hundred times and I mean they get laughed off a lot of just I mean it's almost easier just to throw a couple examples of stuff but like just a guy that maybe passes at the eye test just yep. jumps off the field yep. uh, has a lot of intangibles without specifying what those intangibles are <laughs> just these super vague sayings that are hyping up a player that it, it probably means the guy just doesn't really know that much about the players and they need to say something uh, so they just go to the well and, and pull out one of these phrases and we're going to try and make uh, a list of ones that we can fully uh, cross off our, our bingo card for draft cliches leading up to the draft and at the draft this year. Yeah. Uh, so I think, how many did you have down for the show? So right, I have five that I definitely want to read off, but I have a couple more. Than a couple that. more. We could just go back and forth because we, um, because we decide that, look, our free space, we're going to say that for last because that's be the, the one that we think is going to happen. Uh, we have the corners, which are the most valuable spots. We're going to do four quarters and you win. I actually don't know how we're going to score this, but four corners is a bingo in my book. And then we have, I, I have two bonus ones to put down. Do you want to just take turns going back and forth reading some of our... And, yeah. and, oh yeah, and also, I want to get Pete involved as well um, because we because something's going to be pretty vague. So we we need your judgment if they're acceptable or not. Okay, understood. So I'll start with my bonus one. Uh, player thought of as outside the top of the class will claim to the media that he's the best player in the draft. Ooh. I Yes, yes, it, it will happen. I, I, I like that one. Okay. I like that one a lot. I feel like this is one that happens after the draft a lot of times. Oh, you're but right. You're right. I, I, I can see that one happening. My, uh, if since we're doing bonus ones, I'll start off with drafting. Name any position here. Just fill in the blank. Uh, so drafting blank position player is way too early for me in this draft. You can always find one later. Yes, that's such a good <laughs> one. Yes. <laughs> that, oh gosh. Just it seems like you'll hear that at least five times in the first round, and then also then after the draft, you'll find at least five to ten people saying like, "Oh, this was such a great pick. This is my top player at this position." Blah blah blah, and like just. Especially running back, I think if I had to p- pick a position that it's going to be said about, it, it would be the running back position. Yeah. But you can really say it about any position. Yeah, uh, I, I really like that one. I have one more bonus one. You can read off the rest of your bonus ones, but I have tall receiver can quote go up and get it. Randy Moss, who I mean, <laughs> yeah, 
I all right, my last bonus one that I definitely or actually I have two Go kind of it. connected to the last one. He was my number one guy at that position of just oh, some yeah, random I guy gets drafted end of the first round, start of the second round. He was my number he one was guy. My number one guy. Yeah. It's like, oh, just letting people know you think it's a steal without having to say that and just uh, a very frequently used phrase. Then also uh, the I don't know the best way to I have Uh-oh. Mahomey down, but I think it, it can be used in a, a yep. number of contexts where it's just a, a decent player in the draft gets compared to a Hall of Famer, an all pro player that like just has no business any player should ever be compared to him. And players in this category is like an Aaron Donald or a Troy Palomalu where like they don't know who to compare it to. They think he's gonna be a good player, so they just name one of the best players of yeah. all time, which is just egregious. Pete, you with these? Yes, I like though. I think the first one you said where that's my number one player at this position. I'd like to add that's definitely going to be said by a former player. Like, that's like a Des Bryant kind of thing to tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fair. We should quick power through the rest of these. we got five minutes left. We're going to our corner spots here. Uh, I'll start with my bottom one. Analysts will claim that solid team with average slash aging QB should take Michael Penix in the first round. I like that. Thank you. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm too general with this one, but uh, just – the locker room guy the the, the guy that Ooh. it's gonna be a late round draft pick but it's the, the player that comes out and he's like all of his teammates love him he's a locker room guy he's gonna bring a lot to the culture of this team maybe a, a backup quarterback type guy or, or, or like a, a late round uh you want to put a position on it um, it's okay if not. actually no you're, you're the judge here i'm the judge here oh my goodness just right now i have a late round guy titled as a locker room guy late round guy titled as a locker room guy I don't know. It feels like like cornerback or safety or something. I right? can see that. Just like just a random guy. Think, He's only going to get practice squad back, reps. A, a late linebacker. That I think that's the position I'm going okay. for this one. You okay with that, Pete? Yeah, I, I'll take that. All right. I'll jump to my uh, fourth one remaining. It's a weird way of getting there, but I got there. Uh, wide receiver will fly up mock drafts after insane combine performance, only to slowly drop as hype dissipates. I'm thinking a la DK Metcalf, uh, Jerry Judy. I remember him in top five conversation. They just kind of slowly drift down. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing if it seems like it's not super specific, so maybe Pete, you okay with that one? Yeah, there's definitely going to be a guy who puts up some crazy stats at the combine. People are going to completely forget that he's just mediocre at actually catching the ball. <laughs> Alex? So I feel like this is going to be a tough one that, like, a- I have to read it, but uh, a player is going to end up being a, a draft bust, but be drafted way too high based on raw talent. And oh, the, the the project. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think it'll probably be like a, a Jaden McDaniels type quarterback player of like, oh, just drafted him based on raw talent. So I I kind of got to take the bust part out because you got to wait until after the draft. But I, I think just someone drafted way too early based on raw talent. Okay. So you're saying this year's Justin Fields? Yep. Excellent. <laughs> Dang, that's brutal. Uh, next up, former players, or former player currently working for NFL will make a mock draft that looks vastly different from everyone else's. Yeah, that's the Des Bryant thing again. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna have this. His top ten okay. are gonna be nobodies. All right, Just all wide receivers. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Alex, uh, sneaky athletic. Gotta oh, go. You gotta just, go. With oh. Just a random white guy. Just sneaky athletic. Compared yep. to Cooper Cup, it's Cooper Cup. Yes. Yep. Uh, I have talk of NFL Combine is a front seven player who was really fast. Mm. Yep. 
All right, last corner one here. Uh, tremendous upside, similar to that raw talent one of just a a player that maybe unheard of, just really high combine performances, and everyone looks at him and they say tremendous upside. All right, yeah. and finally, my free space. Talented prospect has a quote chip on his shoulder from perceived disrespect. <laughs> I've never heard of that happen. Oh, really? Okay, no, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> it's like literally every player ever. I see. And uh, Alex, your final free space. So the free space is my favorite one. Someone you'd love your daughter to date. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. If, oh no, it's so specific. I don't think that's going to come up in television, it. dude. I think someone's going to say it about like Drake May or, or one of the, oh, yeah. <laughs> one of these quarterbacks. Oh, you are wild. That it, it it has been said before. It's maybe not a regular one, but that is a, a cliche for sure. Wow! If that ha- if you earn your free space, I was something that specific. That would be incredible. Pete, any final thoughts on this one? I've come up with one. Yeah, let's hear it. So there's going to be at the combine every year. I'm I'm putting my money on it. There's going to be some random punter or kicker on the bench press who just puts up like oh, un- yes. unequivocal amount of reps, right? Can we add that he's going to be Australian? Just some yes. random freak athlete. Like random Australian puts up it. crazy weight at the combine and then you never hear him about again. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to assemble these together and th- we're going to update it as the draft cycle goes along. But thank you so much for listening. That will do it for after further review alongside Pete Smallwood and uh, Alex Schuster. I-, I got your last name wrong, didn't I? That, that was incredibly Selwood. hurtful. <laughs> Selwood, dang it. I'm sorry. I'm Vincent Hesbrick. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great rest of your day.